All right, this is episode five. Yeah, I think it's episode five. Of Dear Black Girl. And this show was actually inspired by three things. Um, one of them was this artist I saw on Instagram that's actually based out in Harlem. He has like this dope art series that's like letters to black boys and black girls, and they're like encouraging letters. Um, also, it was inspired by Justin, the creator of Dear White People. And this anthology I wrote back in college for my African-American women's rhetoric class that I recently (laughs) came across that all just came into one. Um, But a little about the show. Well, first of all, I'm your host. My name is Unique. And the show is a guest-driven show that highlights the everyday Black woman. And my guests come on. They share their stories and personal experiences, all while curating the show's playlist and each song holds like a special memory or lesson that our guests learn throughout their life. Um, The show's purpose is not only for women of color to come share their stories, but also to serve as a safe space and place for all of us. So without further ado, dear black girl meet Melissa, a.k.a. Miss Lissa Knows. Ow! Now... Go ahead with your Michelle story. <laughs> okay, because everyone always wants to know why it's Miss Lissa and not Lisa or all these things. So every time when I would tell people my name is Melissa growing up, they would always call me Michelle. Never anything else. Either Michelle or Michelle. Like, it would just always be Michelle. And they're like, um, can, Michelle, can you come here? And I'm like, that's not my name. But as soon as I started telling people my name was Miss Lissa, they always call me Melissa. So it's like a play off their brain. So it is Melissa. If you see me in the street and you call me Melissa, I'm not going to get mad. I'm not Lawrence Fishburne, a.k.a. Larry. You can call me Melissa. You can call me Miss Lissa. If you Spanish, you could call me Miss Lisa. But I prefer Miss Lissa. Miss Lissa knows. I'm still confused about the whole Michelle thing. Cause... You? And don't nobody want to be no Michelle. <laughs> Only Obama. Like, Destiny Child. Nobody want to be Michelle. <laughs> like, I don't want that name. So... Miss Lissa. Now, Miss Lissa is a media personality. Mm-hmm. I, okay, wait. I've coined a new title. I'm a comedia personality. A comedia <laughs> personality. Explain that. I'm taking comedy mm-hmm. and media, and I combine them every time I'm on the mic. So, comedia personality, not chlamydia. <laughs> That's some other host. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> and she also has her own podcast, which is called what? I co-host the Premium Peach Show featuring Miss Lisa Knows. And I also do some interviews for Vibe Magazine. And occasionally, I'll talk some shit. Can I say shit? Yes, you can curse. Okay, occasionally, I'll talk that talk on TMZ with some of their, like, hot topics and stuff like that. So, and what about your own website? My website is MissLissaKnows.com. Um, everything on social media is MissListenNotes.com. I'm actually in the process of just, like, destroying and rebuilding, just, like, cleaning it up and just making sure that it's going to be, like, a clear statement of what the web- the website represents because I come from a background of being, like, a gossip guru and kind of, like, pulling back from that. I want to, like, um, just highlight more, like, women empowerment and just, like, you know, embracing who we are. That's why I'm so excited for this. <laughs> so how did you get into this? Um... I just came through the womb ready for this. Like, ever since I was a kid, so growing up, I'm just going to give you, like, a quick gist because I had a hard-knock life. I'm, like, Jay-Z's little sister. Oh, we'll get into that later I'm Melissa Z. So I grew up just always wanting to, like, be a talk show host. Growing up, my mom was on drugs, so I didn't have to go to school all the time, so she would let me, like, stay home and watch soap operas and talk shows and all these things that kind of, like, groomed me to be, like, this person that I am now. Like, I remember being, like, uh, like four and telling my mother how my talk show would be. Like, I've always been a chatterbox. <laughs> and I've just always been the type of person that loved connecting with people. So I started merchandising. And then I took that merchandising and I did an event with Arfu Dodger, which was a part of Jay-Z's Rockaware umbrella. And I got really cool with the people there. And they started bringing me to the office. And I kind of, like, switched that into just me doing the media that I'm doing now. Like, I started doing, like, behind-the-scenes, like, branding and styling for different people. And then I would meet, like, you know, meet, like, directors. And you meet, like, just different, like, stagehands. And you just, like, build those connections. Like, things that are happening to me now are seeds that I planted, like, six years ago as a bitch behind the scenes. 
but I've just always been like this girl. Like people would just always be like, why aren't you in front of the camera? Why aren't you in front of the camera? Like, why are you dressing these people? And I'm just like, I don't know. <laughs> and then one day my spirit was dead. It was like my spirit started saying that to me, like, bitch, why are you doing this? Why are you behind the scenes? Why are you dressing these people? Like, you know where you want to be. And I just like put all of my like hope and my prayers into like my dreams and I believe and like wholeheartedly believe that God is my publicist and that's how I got here. That's like one of your if you look at her Instagram, that's her hashtag. Yeah, that's God it. is my publicist. So that's a true statement. Like I believe that the universe gives to you what you give to the universe. And I I I make a conscious effort to put positive energy into the universe because I know that it's gonna come back to me. It doesn't always come back to me. Sometimes I want to curse people out, but I do know that there is power in knowing that you are put on this universe for something special, and once you start tapping into that, things things happen, and God is could be your publicist. He's he shares. He definitely he does. definitely shares. He not like a lot of these other publicists. <laughs> he gonna get you booked whether you can afford him or not, as long as you believe. So how did you get to survive? Um, so I used to have a, a radio show on an internet radio station called PNC. <laughs> It actually was, like, one of the first um, internet stations, but because of, like, politics and crazy people, it kind of, like, went under. But I met him one day on someone else's show, and... This is Dayton, right? Yeah, Dayton Thomas. He's the editor-in-chief. And I just hounded him for six years. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Like I said, I planted those seeds, and you have to, like, nurture them and water them and watch them grow, and I... I, I bothered him until I couldn't bother him no more. Until one day he hit me up and was like, come to the office. And that's when I started just doing interviews. And initially I had pitched um, doing women in power. Like it was like this whole niche they wanted me to like do for Vibe Vixen. And I did an interview with Vibe Vixen. And it went so well that the next week they hit me up to do Stevie J. And then it just kept going from there. And then they got bought by the Hollywood Reporter. So yeah, now we're just trying that. to figure things out. Once the white men come through, things start to change. I remember they were under spin, but now they're like Hollywood Reporter with Billboard. Yeah. So definitely a blessing for them. We're just trying to figure it out for me. <laughs> <laughs> and the um, Premium Pete show, how did you tap into that? Also at, at um, PNC. So Premium Pete, most notably as far as podcasting goes, he was co-hosting the Combat Jack show. Mm-hmm. So Combat Jack is like one of the pioneers as far as like urban podcasts. And he has a network that he has other podcasts underneath. So him and Pete kind of had like a little falling out and they end up like splitting. And then people were approaching Pete to have his own podcast. And they were like, you need a girl that's like not going to be, like, a yes man and that's not going to always agree with you. And he kind of remembered all the times I cursed him out. <laughs> and was like, ding, I know who. <laughs> and then they called, when he called me, I was like, you want to do what with me? Like, you know I'm the girl who cursed you out four times. It's me. He's like, no, it's what we're looking for. Like, Perfect. All right, so let's get to song number five. Oh, okay. In no particular order... The first one I'm going to pick is The Rain by Missy Elliott. I feel like when Missy came out, she just started, like, breaking boundaries and barriers and just taking all of the standards of what we thought was beautiful and cool, and she, like, demolished it. People was calling her fat. She put a fatter suit on. Oh, like the little trash bag? Yeah, yeah I remember that. Like, yeah. And I just remember just being like, wow, like, she's so dope. She's not resting on pretty. She's not resting on her body. She's being a big bitch. <laughs> and she's killing it. And I just loved, I loved it. And then I found out her name was Melissa, and she also hated her name. And I was like, <laughs> I get it. I get it. So I love that song. I love Missy, but, like, I just remember the first time I saw that video and she was just, like, playing with, like, different lenses. Just to be so daring at a time where everybody was just being pretty and safe. I just, I love her. So where were you when you first saw that? I was at my aunt's house and we were watching Video Music Box. I don't know if you remember that. You look young. But they used to have (laughs) a channel that you can call. You talk about the box, yes. Yeah, but, yeah, and then you dial, like, three numbers. We never called because we was broke. But we definitely waited and seen what other people picked. And I remember the first time I saw that video was on that show. The crazy part, uh, the one video I remember vividly seeing on the box was um, Lady Mambalo. 
That's the only video <laughs> I remember seeing. God. But I remember the little, I remember the box logo coming up and it'd be like, mm, the box. Right. Like something like HBO, but it was the box. Yo, I remember one time on the box, yo, Shaq, I feel like he was ordering his own video. <laughs> I was like, there's no way. Somebody keeps like it was like back to back to back to back. Like you would have thought Flex was dropping bombs on this video. And I remember, I was like, I know that that is Shaq doing that for himself. So, what part of New York are you from? I'm from Hell's Kitchen. Hell's Kitchen. Okay, what was it like growing up? Because it's not that many people I've, I've met from Hell's Kitchen. You might be the second Especially person. Especially black people, right? You're the second just black me, person. Alicia Keys, Lisa Lisa, and Daredevil. <laughs> like, that's it. <laughs> but I mean, um, for me growing up in Hell's Kitchen, I feel like it was a great experience because it's like a melting pot. And my family is from Harlem, so I would be in Hell's Kitchen from Monday through Friday going to school, but then on the weekends, I would go visit, like, my aunts and my grandmother, my cousin, whoever. So I would get to see both worlds. And I remember, like, whenever I would go to, like, to go to Harlem, they would tell me I told, like, a white girl. But then when I would come home, they'd be like, why you're not, you're not pronouncing the, the G in something? Like, why you keep saying something? Like, what's something? So... Being in Hell's Kitchen allowed me to see both spectrums of the world and appreciate them both. And I also feel like it helped me to be the host that I am today. Like, I could host whitewash parties, but then we could go get turned up and t turn on some trap music. But I could also, you know, do a bar mitzvah if need be. So I feel like growing up in Hell's Kitchen allowed me to see a lot of different things. Even being so close to like TRL, I see like different celebrities growing up. So I've always known that life is bigger than what I thought I saw when I looked out my window. So I I feel like Hell's Kitchen did that for me. Back to when you used to visit your um, visit your family, and they'll tell you like, so you're trying to fit in with your cousins, and you go back, you're talking the same way, and everyone, everyone that you're my school with, was like, yeah. what's wrong with you? So, like, I remember the whole, like, vividly, and I saw the girl at an event one day. I'm like, Sarah, you teased me. Like, because this girl used to go in, like, it's not Sutton. Like, she would get mad at me, and I'm just like, what is it then, my G? Like, <laughs> like I was just like, I didn't, I didn't, I just didn't get it. I didn't understand. I just wanted to be, like, accepted. But now that I'm in my, my older age, like, I could care less, but, I mean... The same thing is kind of like happening to my daughter. I have an eight-year-old daughter, and when she goes uptown, they call her Britney Spears. Like, they say that she just talks differently, and it is what it is. She does, but I feel like there's kids in Harlem that also speak like, like they're educated or speak well. I feel like now that we're um, in a different time, people in different areas, whether it's because of appropriation or what have you, people in different areas are going through what I went through in Hell's Kitchen, whether you're in Harlem, Brooklyn, the Bronx, everything, it's becoming this one place where you're not going to be so judged because of where you live. Like, people are opening up their minds. So when your daughter was telling you she was facing those type of things... She, didn't, she, she don't know no better. She answers. She doesn't even know they're teasing her. She just like, <laughs> she's like, Brittany, and she just turns around like, it's Brielle. Like, she doesn't know that they're like... So she doesn't get it. She doesn't. One time we were on the bus, and... There was a girl that was, like, making fun of her, like, why you talk like that? And they was the same age. And Brielle was just like, um, you're in the bubble. And everybody <laughs> in the bus started laughing. Like, she just didn't, you know? And I try to keep her innocent. I feel like there's something special about a child that is still a child. So I try not to even bring any attention to that. If she doesn't know any better, then it is what it is, you know? I feel like we create those kind of boundaries and we teach. Like, racism is a, is a taught trait. Mm -hmm. So if we allow our kids to just be children, you'll see, like, my daughter will play with white kids, black kids. She just don't like playing with girls. I might be raising her, ooh. <laughs> She's like, girls are so boring. No. She's always with the boy. I'm like, girl, she want to wear a dress, but she want to go play in the dirt. That's how some girls are. <laughs> some Jack girls Lord. don't like, because I remember I was one of those girls. I did not like playing pretend house with Barbie dolls or anything. But my great-grandma already knew Get me the trucks, like my boy cousins, because I'm going to be playing with my boy What's cousins. What's your sign? I'm a cancer. Oh, you sensitive too, Gina. <laughs> <laughs> she keeps calling me Gina. Guys. You are Gina Waters. I don't know why you don't see it. You know you see it. No. It's because she's washed now? No, Go to her prime. it's not that. It's My mom looks like Gina Waters. So, like, growing up, my mom, I used to watch Martin be like, 
Wait, what? How are you on TV right now and you're right here? <laughs> this don't make no sense. That's that's you. So in my mind, like whenever people say you're Gina, I was like, no, I'm not. Trust me. My mom's, my mom's Gina. And the funny part is, so one day Tisha Campbell came up here and this was like a couple years ago, like three years ago. No, maybe like four years ago she came up here. And I thought everyone was joking, like, I thought everyone was joking, like, hey, your twin's here. I was like, no, she's not. I'm like, no, seriously. I walked around the corner. I was like, can I take a picture with you? <laughs> just because. <laughs> Did she see it? Did she say that she saw she was acting funny? She just stared at me. Like, it was like a shocked stare. Right. Like, one of those, did I have another kid I know <laughs> type of stare. That's crazy. <laughs> and then it was like, as she did her interview, she was saying bye to the person, and she stopped. She was like, yo. It is really nice to meet you. And it's like, she was like, it's like one of those like starstruck where yeah. I was like, damn. You should have really got her like info. I'm telling you, it couldn't be me, y'all. <laughs> I'll be going to all the parties. Excuse me. Okay? <laughs> I'm Gina. I'm Leisha Campbell. <laughs> I'm her little sister. Move. Nope. Nobody would ever question you. <laughs> you would be, ev- yo, I'm telling you that I would be on all the red carpets. <laughs> have you ever done that? I don't look like nobody. <laughs> 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 Girl, they still like Michelle. Where you trying to go? <laughs> no, I don't look like nobody. I would definitely do it. Are you serious? Yes, I can do the, it. The best I've ever done was I went to Fashion Week the first time, and I knew I wasn't on no list. Like I was, this is when I was just Melissa Kiana, like not even Miss Lissa, nobody. So. Um, I get to the line and they ask me my name and I dropped it knowing it wasn't on there. And they like, no, we don't have you. I said, what? Hold on, because I know my assistant told me I was confirmed, but my phone, I turned my phone off purposely. I'm like, oh, fuck, my phone is dead. This is crazy. Wait till I tell, tell Uncle Russell. They was like, no, no. <laughs> get in. <laughs> what are you talking? So Swear you to God. For Sensory, one of Uncle Russell Simmons. Ain't my nieces. eyes big enough? <laughs> Come on now. Where Diggy at? And it worked. Oh, my and God. And it worked. And that was the best I ever I'm did. I'm guessing this is before Run's house was on TV. No, this is after. So how the hell did they know you were his one of his kids? I said Uncle Russell, <laughs> not Uncle Rap. <laughs> no, but how did you know you were? Oh, there's Ralph? another brother. There's another brother. Come on. You know oh. the, the brother with the locks that nobody knows? Okay. Everybody got that brother that nobody know about. <laughs> Every celebrity got that brother. Chris got Tony. Everybody got that sibling. Come on now. Solange just came out the spotlight. <laughs> okay. So you use the unknown famous yeah. brother. Like, yeah. They wasn't really going to question it. I was just like, I was, you got to get, I'm a method actor. <laughs> I already had my phone off. It was dead. I, I had it planned. <laughs> Let's get to song number four. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Song number four is, since we're ready to say her name, Solange Cranes in the Sky. Ever since she dropped seat at the table. I've been listening to this album every day. Every day I have to listen to this song and I feel like it's going to be like a timeless song that will never go out of style. And I've always said that Solange would write a great album. So for her to actually have this classic album and get a Grammy, all of, I love it. I, I feel like I'm one of them. I'm like Beyonce and Solange, like in between, but way more fresher with way less effort. <laughs> she was spit bars. <laughs> No, I just love that song, though. I really do. The video the video is so great. Like, I just feel like she did so, such a, an amazing job. So let's go back to, um, well, speaking of Solange, who's Jay-Z's sister-in-law, let's go back to the hard knock like Jay-Z. Explain that statement. When you're like, I could be little Jay-Z sister. I don't remember saying that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so at the beginning, when you were trying to give us, like, a brief rundown oh, of your oh, life. I def- oh, when I was talking about my mom. I mean, I definitely, I mean, I am very vocal about the life that I had because I feel like I want for people, especially young girls, to use me as a blueprint to know that you don't have to be a victim of circumstance. Like, I remember waking up sometimes and I would be alone in the house at seven years old. I had to learn how to cook. I had a brother that's five years older than me, but we were not close. So uh, everything that I am obtaining and everything I have is just, like, from hard work and me 
just not being a product of my environment. Like, when you think about a child who has both parents being on drugs, normally they would be on drugs or they would be, I don't know, exploiting themselves for, for certain things. And I've always known in my heart that I have more to offer than that. So I, I had a hard knock life just means that even though I grew up in Hell's Kitchen, I lived in Section 8 and 9. Like, we had, there was times we didn't have food. There was times where I didn't have parents. There was times where I didn't go to school for, like, weeks because I didn't have clean clothes. Um, I, don't, I never went to, I didn't, I didn't have a graduation. I've never been to a prom. So it's like, you know, it's certain things that people, like, put on. I never even thought I would be married. Like, I just always thought I was just, like, too much to handle. But now, like, looking back, it's like just knowing that, you know, there was something bigger than what was going on is what kept me going, even though I had this this crazy life. And like I said, I just always want for people to look to me and just know, like, damn, like, you can look at my Instagram and see the changes happening from me being at PNC to me being at Hot 97 right now with Gina Waters. (laughs) 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 Miss Unique. Like, it's just a real, it's real. Like, at the end of the day, you don't have to be a product of your environment. I had a hard life. Nothing was ever handed to me. Like, nothing was ever perfect. But I've always made things work because I've always believed in my journey. Because even Jay-Z, like, Jay-Z coming from Brooklyn and being a drug dealer, people probably just put him in a box and just thought, like, this is it. And then, you know, him trying to be a rapper and being turned down so many times, a lot of people would have gave up. But he didn't. He created his own lane and made it happen for himself. And that's why I feel like I'm like, I have that in me. Where it's like, you know what? That's why I say God is my purpose. Because it's like, how are you going to close the door when God is making the house? How are you going to stop me from going through this lane where I'm going to build my own highway? And that's why I told something I like, you know, I feel like Jay-Z opened our eyes to that, letting us know that you don't have to configure to the system. You just got to learn how to move in a room full of vultures. Where they at, though? Where them vultures at? (laughs) I will say, like, some people are blessed that they don't ever have to be in those type of rooms, Mm -hmm. those room settings. But the people that have to maneuver through those rooms, like, what's the advice that you would give them? Just be true to yourself. Be true to yourself. Make sure that when you're doing whatever it is that you're doing, that you're making yourself happy. And never say yes to someone if it means saying no to yourself. And that's something I had to learn, like, late. Like, I wish somebody would have told me that because in this industry, it's all about relationships and it's all about, you know, who do you know? So you do want to nurture relationships. But sometimes you nurture them to no avail and it's like you are, like, pulling teeth or feeling like you, like, got to do certain things to get certain places. And one thing about me is I've always, like, stayed true to who I am and my beliefs. Like, I've never configured to the system and I've never, like, diminished my beliefs. Like, if I was a hoe, I would be on already. I've been propositioned sexually to get ahead. I've never taken those because it makes me uncomfortable. But if you're the kind of girl that you good with it, do what you do. But at the end of the day, you have to be true to yourself. I feel like a lot of people do things because they, they see it work for somebody else so they feel like they have to do it. And that's not what it is. Like, God's blessings are just like UPS's deliveries. They're they're packaged for you specifically. So you have to know that in order to get ahead, you have to be true to yourself. When you're in that room full of vultures, you do not have to have to know how to maneuver and play a certain game, but that doesn't mean that you have to bend over backwards and get fucked. Literally or figuratively. Do we need to bleep that? <laughs> come on now Gina (laughs) alright let's get to song number three okay song number three I'm gonna go with love and happiness Al Green I'm about to show my age so growing up when my mom I just remember like Whenever my mom would invite her friend over, and I knew what they was about to do, all types of drugs. Al Green was the soundtrack. And I like, <laughs> you know, him 
changing his life you, and going to God, let us know that he knew what his music was doing, folks. <laughs> <laughs> no, but all just aside, I love Al Green. I feel like he has a really strong voice. And it's like, when you hear certain songs, like when at the beginning of the song, you get a certain nostalgic feeling. Well, I do. And that's one of the songs for me. And even that song, like Love and Happiness, if you are like a hip-hop head and you know about Puff Daddy, a.k.a. Diddy, he was like the king of this, like, sampling. He sampled that for um, Get Smack Silly, Get Smack Silly. So I, whenever I hear that, hey, I get like that feeling, like, pull out the Coke. I know mommy's around. Oh, my God. <laughs> pull out that eight ball. Where mama at? So it was like a nostalgic feeling. It's like bittersweet. But it just reminds me of where, where, I, where I came from. And I've been chasing love and happiness forever. Why, why have you been chasing it, though? Like, Because I know some people feel like you don't have to chase those things. Those are things you create for yourself. Those are people that have different life. When I feel like, you know, I've been conditioned to feel like I, I have to do things for myself. So I've always felt like I've been chasing. I know that's not probably not the best thing, but I did have a conversation with a counselor. And, well, not even a counselor. Like she's like a legit therapist. Shout out to Dr. Maya Pettiford. She calls. So um, she was just saying that ever since I was a child, I've always felt le- left down. So I have trust issues. So it's hard for me to be loved because it's hard for me to love myself. So it's just something I've been chasing. And, and, and I have to figure it out. But, yeah, you should not have to chase it, ladies. But I'm not chasing it from a man. I'm chasing it from that's like myself. I'm chasing love for my love for my my mother. Well, we we fixed that. But even my brother, like growing up, he used to tell me he hated me and that he did not want a sister. He wished I wasn't born. So this is what I've been hearing since I was a kid. So I've been chasing the opposite forever, whether it's bad boyfriends or fake friends who you think love you, and then you find out later on that it was wasn't what it was, or the friends that turn out to be real, I've, I've, something about me is very giving, and I've always wanted to be liked and loved. So it's something that I'm working on, because like, as you get older, you stop caring. Like, when you turn dirty, like, bitch, I don't care if you don't like me, but <laughs> you lying. People um, do want to be liked. They do. But I will say, like, I think it's dope you're talking about therapy, because I know, like, the idea of therapy is, like, taboo. Especially in our culture. In the black, yeah, the black community. Dear black girl, it's okay to get that damn therapy. And I feel like this is something because of, like, even going back to slavery, like, they've been stripping the black man from the house since the beginning of time. So black women have always had to be extra strong. We've always had to be the mother and the father, the provider, the rock, just always. Even for the white folk, going up in the big house, taking care of goddamn Skip, Lisa and Madison, and then still having to go home and cook the slop for Umbumba and Tumbi. Like, it's just like, you know, since the beginning of time, we've been conditioned to not be vulnerable. The black man, too. Like, we're not allowed to be weak. And weak to us is crying or saying that our feelings are hurt. And that's not what it is. And I just feel like the more we talk about mental health, the better we will be. Because at the end of the day, our skin color is only a color. We're still the same human beings on the inside. And just because we can bear more doesn't mean we want to. And it's like the the more we talk about it, whether with counseling, I feel like it's better because that person is impartial. But if it starts with you just talking to your friends, because I feel like even friends, we don't even always share our true feelings. Sometimes you don't want to be the odd man standing out. It's hard to say I don't agree with that. Or just telling your friend, you hurt my feelings today. Instead of doing that, we'll throw some shade like, ah, bitch, look at this. Instead of just saying, yo, when when you didn't offer me some pie, it hurt my feelings. Instead of doing that, we're like, bitch, why is you eating another piece of pie? Look what it's doing to your stomach. Why? Why do we have to hurt each other's feelings? I feel like it's, it's it has to start somewhere, and I feel like it starts in each individual. I I am, one thing about me is I'm very in tune with my feelings. Like, it's something I've had to be because I was alone a lot growing up, so I had to be in tune because there's nobody else to be in tune with me. But I try to, like, encourage people to really talk about their feelings. Like, even my daughter, one thing I always, like, tell her is, like, 
You could tell me anything. You're going to get in more trouble if I find out. And you could trust the plus. I'm going to find out. They don't call me Miss Lisa Nose for nothing. And like, she'd be like, how did you know? Girl, <laughs> Harvey called me. But, and, this, and people, especially like black women, they just say, well, women and men, black people, they, they expect us to be stronger. And we are. We are. But it's because we've been conditioned to do that. But I, I, I feel like we need to be able to talk about our feelings, cry when we need to. If you're a black man and you want to perm your hair, it's okay. You go with that picture of young Jock to the barber and you do it. Like, how come it's okay for the black woman to straighten her hair, but not the black man? Like, why do we have so many stipulations to being black that we don't have for black, for white people or for Spanish people? It's not fair. Allow us to be vulnerable. It's only right. So why do you think, like, so many black men and women are afraid of being vulnerable? Because we've been conditioned to feel like we're going to be stoned for expressing ourselves. Like, come on, my nigga, what you doing? You crying? Bitch, please get over this nigga. Like, why is you even crying? Like, no one's ever like, oh, my God, girl, like, let me hug you. Like, I hurt, too. Let's talk about when I went through this, too. You, you are not alone. Rarely do we do that. Rarely do we encourage each other, especially black women. Now, black men, we do see more of a brotherhood. Black women, they've been, since the beginning of time, oh, your hair look like this, you go in this cool. You look like this, you go with this. Dark skin against light skin. That's not what it was back in the day. We got through slavery because a whole bunch of black women came together and made it happen. We had to hold each other down. You got to go over to this hut, take care of this. We got to go. We got to take care of each other. Somewhere along the lines, that got diminished, and it's time for us to bring it back. It's okay to share your feelings. I feel like the more we encourage each other to do it, we're going to want to do it. Like, I remember the first time I saw my dad cry. It was a funeral. I don't, like, that scarred me. Like, it scarred me. Like, I, that was the one and only time. And it's like, I know there had to be other times where he wanted to cry. And I feel like that's a part of the reason why he does so many drugs. It's because he don't know how to deal with his emotions. And that's why we have so many illness, illnesses amongst the black communities and drug abuse, alcoholism, because these are our defense mechanisms. This is how we cope. We think that in order to get through a problem, we got to fight it out with our fists or with a gun. We don't know how to just sit down and say, yo, when you said this, brother, I didn't like that. And just iron it out. Nobody encourages that. Like, when something is funny, we laugh. We don't hold in our laughs. We never do. We never like, girl, I can't laugh, girl. <laughs> it's too funny. We never do that. And when something makes us mad... You express it. You cursing that person now. You be like, move over, nigga. Let me curse at you. But when something makes us sad, we want to hold it in. And it's like... That's not good for your spirit. People die from broken hearts. Like, you're doing a disservice to your health when you hold in your emotions. Like, but they don't, they don't want that for us. Like, even when I think about just being, like, big and beautiful, like, that's only something they encourage for black women. You don't never see white bitches unless they dating black men, but rarely do you see a culture of white women like, oh, yeah, girl, embrace your beauty, big, be big and beautiful. They don't do that. They go to the gym, they eat right, they do what they got to do. They only encouraging us to do that because they want us to have high blood pressure, they want us to have diabetes, they want us to have bad knees, they want us to have all these things that are killing us. We the only ones that do this. We the only ones tricking our brains to do this. Like, we all have the same bodies. A black woman body ain't gonna, we ain't gonna survive the fatness either. But we encouraging it because it's all a facade. Because they don't really want us to win. It's all about us coming with, like, what you're doing right now, thank you so much. Like, you celebrating black women, thank you so much. And you light skin, you ain't gotta do this. You the front of the bus, my nigga. Like, thank you. Thank you. More uniques. It's what's going to push the culture forward. You have a perfect name. You are so unique in what you're doing right now. Thank you. And even more people appreciating what you're going to do. Imagine if nobody cared. You'd be like, why am I doing this? Why? And that's why we have to celebrate each other. Or else, why are we doing this? Because they're not going to celebrate us. No, because that's funny. Because I remember um, in doing this, it was like kind of a joke, but some people would be like, 
only black girls? Like, you don't think it's going to, like, be put in a box? I was like, no, not really. And if, it's, if it is, it's okay. And then it's like, but, like, why not broader? Just, and I was like, no, for what? It's like when people get mad about Black History Month. Don't we learn about you? Ain't y'all encouraging each other? Every time you open up a magazine, it's Dear White Girl. Look how beautiful you are. Dear White Girl, look at your hair. Dear White... It's always... When, so, y'all already got 365 days of... Can she have a minute? You're not even asking for... Just your podcast. No, she don't want it to be broader. It's going to the broads she wants it to go to. <laughs> <laughs> so number two... <laughs> Little Kim, <laughs> no time. And, and I had to pick this one because, again, that video for me was like a statement piece. All we had was Little Kim and Puffy. And for me, that was like one of the illest videos ever made in the 9 in the 2000s. Like, and the statement of what she's saying is real. Like, we don't got no time for fake ones. So we're going to sip this. We can't sip what they would sip because they racist. But we gonna <laughs> sip this douce with these real ones from east to west coast. Spread love, son. So I just felt like that song was that's another empowering song for women because here we got Little Kim talking talk like women was not supposed to be talking, doing things that women quote unquote was not supposed to be doing, and she did it, and she did it her way, and she was like comfortable in that. When she came out with that titty out. At that award show, nobody made her do that. She was good doing that. And that just goes back to what I'm saying about just being true to yourself. One thing that I'm going to love about Little Kim prior to the surgery is that she was very true to herself. Like, she didn't, you know, change who she was for the people. She could have easily just been, like, you know, covered up or, you know, saying certain things, keeping people comfortable. But she was not afraid to ruffle some feathers and do certain things. I wish she would have stayed in that lane. I feel like Hollywood ruined her, but it is what it is. I feel like she's still a, a, an icon in our culture, and I feel like she's still going to always be Little Kim, even if she looks Asian. The funny part is, like, the minute you said that song, I started thinking about the Little Kim. That's what I'm just saying! <laughs> she's going back and forth! <laughs> that's what I'm saying. And that's what's being lost in, in our culture now. Like, the star quality, the star power, just even having your own little movements. Like, if you say Mary J. Blige, I'm going to start bopping. Yeah, so you Mary just did. know. Even with the say, Diddy bop. Come on. <laughs> and now it's like, you know, we're losing that little by little because people are afraid to be individuals. Everyone wants to sound like Future or rap like Drake because they think that's the formula. I, I appreciate the people that think the formula is, we'll figure out the formula. Like, just let me be me, let me do what I do, and we'll figure it out. One thing I love about Michael Jackson is that he was always true to himself. Even when they was coming at his head, he was doing certain things, you know, like making the music that he wanted to make. I think all of those, like, rumors and everything was just the Illuminati doing what they were trying to do, which they ended up doing at the end. We got to cut this part out because I got to get home. But, <laughs> yeah, girl, they'll do it to you, girl. <laughs> No, but um, let's talk about that. Like, Lil Kim, she had like, you, you from just seeing her and her essence, you could tell like she was, she had pride in who she was. She, right. she wasn't, she wasn't shameful of like her body or her. Well, sucking a dick and uh, what she said, she gonna make a sprite can disappear. Yeah, you know, oh, sprite ain't pay her to say that. <laughs> she, she was really gonna do it. So like, just. Like, owning that and being, like, I am a woman. I do this stuff. I'm proud of this stuff. Right. Like, why is that so hard, do you feel, for a woman to do? I don't feel like that's hard now because I feel like when you say you don't like it anymore, it's called slut-shaming. I feel like there's, um, there's a fine divide w- between, you know, being empowered by your sexuality and allowing yourself to be defined by that. I feel like Little Kim was not defined by that. She was empowered. Like, you couldn't tell her that what she wasn't doing wasn't right. Like, it is what it is. But I feel like now, with these new girls, I feel like there's, like, a whole realm of women that are doing certain things, thinking that it's empowering, but really they're not. I feel like there's a lot of girls that 
don't want to sit on sinks or, you know, show their breasts or do certain things, but they do it because they think that they have to do it for attention. I feel like true power and true true power for you comes from just being comfortable. So, yeah, I don't think it's hard. I actually think it's a little too easy now. I feel like everyone just wants to pull out their titties and don't know why. But I feel like the more girls we have, like, unique and the more girls we have, like, Miss Lissa, like, I don't, I might pull out a titty. I was on vacation. You might see some cleavage. But that doesn't define me, and it's not my whole timeline. You got to know how to, like, you know, mix it up and also leave some things for the imagination. That's what one thing I feel like is being lost in the system. Even when we had Little Kim, we still had Lauren Hill. We still had Missy Elliott. We still had the Brat. There was so many different, like, people that you could, you know, connect with. Now we only got, like, three, and two of them is hosts. So it's like, I don't think it's hard. <laughs> I would actually like for it to be a little harder. <laughs> but, you know, like I said, you do what makes you comfortable. That's my whole thing. I feel like there's a lot of girls out here that's doing certain things that they're not comfortable with, but they think that's, that's the ticket to get to the top. That's what I feel. I, I don't feel like it's hard at all. I feel like y'all, y'all getting it hard. <laughs> What's one of the um, the challenges you feel like Black women and black girls face today? I feel like one of the biggest problems I feel like is not conforming to society's beauty standards. We've been taught like that our big noses aren't beautiful, that our dark skin isn't beautiful, our kinky hair isn't beautiful. Like we've been taught that you have to look like a certain way in order to be celebrated. And I feel like that's hard. Because everybody don't got money to go to DR or get a new nose or, you know, like, some people don't want to, you know? And you feel like you have to do, like, I hated my nose for a while. I hated it. I hated it because I felt like it wasn't pretty, you know? And that it wasn't because somebody said, it's not pretty, Melissa, but it's because I, I don't feel represented. I feel like I don't have a voice. Like, when's the last time you really seen, like, a black woman in media as an actress like the new black is this curly haired mixed bitch like the new black is lisa bonet but it's like what happened to rudy huxtable like where's that girl so that's what i feel closer to so i feel like it's getting harder because the spectrum is getting smaller and smaller and smaller so now you feel like you have to fight to be celebrated and then sometimes your fight goes into oh here go another angry black woman but it's like how you gonna make me angry and then, and then get mad because I'm angry? Like, I'm not represented, but I'm out here. Black women got y'all to the moon. We out here raising black babies, white babies, Spanish babies. We doing so much. You're sending our husbands to jail. We raising our kids too. Like, all these things that we're doing, but we're not celebrated. Nobody is out here saying, yes, that black women out here killing it. Rarely do we hear that. How long they been, how long ago did they get to the moon? We just got a movie. <laughs> Like, come on. Even Taraji. Taraji been dope. She's 42. We just celebrating her? Like, she had to run through hurdles, jump through hoops to be cookie. Like, do we understand what it is? Like, when is it going to be our turn? So I don't think that, you know, I I just feel like that's what the hardest is. Like, like when? When do I get my chance? Never? Uh, let's talk about this whole angry black women thing. Because, like, that's the stereotype that got put on black women that I never understood. Because you got this beautiful smile, too. Like, <laughs> we know you're not angry. Come on, now. You smile with both top and bottom teeth. No, I get angry, but... No, you don't. Let me see your angry face. I can't make that right now. I know. I know you can't. Because <laughs> it's one of those, like, you have to be, like, I gotta pinch passionately you? <laughs> angry. No. Go pinch your nipple. You have to get mad. <laughs> no, it's just... I don't know. Like, I never understood that stereotype. Because, like, I'll see other people get angry, but they're not, like, they're, they're, it's not, they're not stereotyped that way. Like, you, you'll see a Spanish woman get angry. It's just not the angry Spanish woman. You'll see a white woman get angry. It's not the angry white woman. Exactly. So I've seen them curse out cops and everything. I'd be like, And nothing happens. You can't even smoke but, a cigarette in your car. But then it's like, if a black woman gets angry, it's just like, there she goes being the stereotypical angry black woman. What, what is that? Like... That is the system being afraid of your greatness. So instead of them empowering and celebrating when you do amazing things, 
they only want to highlight when you do some crazy shit and then they want to generalize it as everybody. So then when we do something, it's like, oh, see, there they go again. And that's why I am a big... Um, I'm a big advocate for, you know, just, like, stepping outside of the box. And, like, you know how many black girls hated me at first when they first met me? Because I'm bubbly. I can I can get angry. I'm not going to play with y'all. But for the most part, like, I'm fun. Like, I like to laugh. I like to just be silly. And when I would roll up to groups of black, they like, what? Like, they faces would just be like, oh, no. And then throughout the night, just because I, I am genuinely this silly, by the end of the night, even when I host shows, when I be hosting, I could always pick out a crowd that angry black when we here. But I always gravitate more to the fun girls. And then by the end of the night, the angry girl is a fun girl. So if if, if we just focus more on the good, more good would be actually happening because it's happening, but we're just not celebrating it. When's the last time you saw like a show that wasn't like a reality TV show where we're like drinking and throwing drinks and fighting? Rarely. 90s, early 2000s. Right. But in my everyday life, I've I've never thrown a drink. Where are the cameras when I'm not throwing drinks? Where are the cameras when I'm having, like, wonderful conversations with Unique at High 97? Nowhere. But if I go outside right now and curse somebody, I'm going to be on Worldstar. It's because of what we are allowing. You couldn't do it to Jewish people. They would come together and they would band together. It would be some kind of petition, a, a, a rally. They would get a law change. Like, they, we couldn't do this to Jewish people. We couldn't do this to Asian people. It's us. The problem lies within us. We say we don't want it, but then we want it. We'd be the first ones, girl, you saw this? You, like, so when we stop highlighting it, so will they, because we empower it by, by looking at it. So... I just feel like, you know, at the end of the day, there are some angry black women, and everybody does get angry, but at the end of the day, when we do it, they throw the magnifying glass on it, and then we look at the car crash, or it just brings more attention to it. But if we all ignored it, they wouldn't keep doing it. So when do we start ignoring it is the question. So we're at song number one, right? Oh, shit, we at song number one. Okay. Okay. I wasn't going to pick this song at first. It was on my no list, but I'm going to pick Lady by D'Angelo because I would love for us to just bring back being a lady and also our music celebrating love and celebrating just like being beautiful and a man pursuing a woman and saying like, yo, you're my girl, not you my side bitty. Oh, you my bae. Oh, no, you're my lady. Like, I would love to just, like, you know, just bring that back where we were having, having like, you know, like, um, healthy relationships. Like, Martin, come on, you know, come on, oh Gina. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't have to keep bringing that back. Because I remember, like, even though Martin was a comedy, it was it something was great in watching their yeah. dynamic. It was something special in watching that black man and that black woman interact. And it was something great. And I feel like it, it encouraged more everyday people to do that. But when you're watching Love and Hip Hop and you're watching Kurt got kid, you got kid, nobody got kid, and you watching everybody thotting and bopping and doing wild things, you think that's, that's what it is. Middle America thinks that's what we do because that's what they see on television. So it's just like, I picked this song because it just reminds me of a, a different time where men were singing love songs and women were being appreciated and being celebrated and being highlighted for being ladies. Not because you had thick thighs and a thin waist and two Bs up top. Two, well, he said two Bs things, not, not those things. Like, because you were carrying yourself in a certain way because you held yourself in a higher regard. And that's what I want to bring back. That's why I'm bringing back the curtsy. When I meet people, I curtsy. <laughs> like, I feel like Steve Harvey fucked y'all up. He told y'all to act like a lady and think like a man. No. No. Leave that to the gay boys. You need to act like a lady and think like a lady. Be a lady and you will be treated as such. And that's why I love this song. And I love D'Angelo. Who don't love D'Angelo? What do you think that got lost at in the music? Because... I'm that... playing Cash Money. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> why? <laughs> Them niggas told you to back that thing up and you never brought it back home. You just kept backing, backing that. You just kept backing, kept backing. Then you got blinded by the bling, bling. You got backing, you kept backing. And now you, now, now look where you at. I'm, I'm blaming them. Are you serious? I'm blaming cash money. <laughs> For real? 
I mean, um, truth be told, uh, let's, can we blame Kanye? I feel like he's the one of the first rappers to, to to bring a stripper to the forefront and celebrate her to a way where people started. Because even when you go back in the day, Uncle Luke, his wife is like a lawyer or a doctor or some shit. Ice Cube is with his high school sweetheart. Like, most of the rappers growing up in the 99s and the 2000s was just, you know, finding ladies and women that were going to, you know, encourage their grind and help them to elevate but now I feel like all these men are kind of like caught in the rapture of thotisms. But um, yeah, I just feel like at the end of the day, it's it's when rappers started like you know celebrating strippers to a higher regard and just making them their wives. And Kim Kardashian's um, sex tape is what I blame. Cause I can't really pinpoint where it happened, but I feel like around that time is when like we we started. Um, celebrating non-talentless pretty girls. Like, it was one thing to have them in the video dancing. Then y'all started giving them lines, and then y'all started make, giving them leading lady roles. So, I'm gonna blame that. Like Those three things. Yeah. Cash money. Cash money. Kanye around the time of um, the 808s and Heartbreaks. Shout, yup. And Kim and Ray J. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna blame them. <laughs> All right, so here's one. What do you want your legacy to be? Um, I just want people to always think of me as someone who connected with the everyday people to a level where they were empowered and encouraged and inspired to live their dreams. When people see me, I want them to know that I am you, whether male or female. I'm just a person who had a difficult life but never allowed their circumstances to define them. I want people to remember me as someone who always lent a helping hand and was never Hollywood and never allowed the industry to change her. Like someone that's pure, even in the midst of all the craziness that's happening in this universe. That's what I want. I want my daughter to be able to, like, you know, I feel like you die two times. When you die... And you die when people stop talking about you. The last time someone says your name. So I want my legacy to carry on as someone who inspired and encouraged people to be better. All right. So before we go, you have to drop your Dear Black Girl open letter. Uh, Dear Black Girl, you are beautiful. Never allow the industry or the crazy standards that are put before you to define you. Know that your kinks are cute and your darkness is not dark. Don't let them make you feel like black is negative. It is a great thing to be black. So you be great and step into your greatness and never allow anyone to stop you from being great. Signed, Miss Lissa Knows. 